Welcome everyone back to the second floor. I'm your co-host Omid and today we have a special guest. We are here to learn how to survive, how to thrive, and how to keep the good vibes in your life and business. Um, today we have Michael Cathry. He is the co-founder and president of Resonate Music School and Studio and also co-founder of the Resonate Music Foundation. Resonate has received multiple awards including the publicly voted Top Choice Award for five years in a row and Michael has been named Edmontonian's top 20 under 30, as well as one of 20 recipients of the Business in Edmonton Leaders Award for 2018. He's also the Alberta representative for breakthrough graded curriculum for popular music called Rock School. Michael has been invited to be a speaker at the NAM, National Associations of Music and Merchants Convention, which is held in Anaheim, California and sees over 130,000 attendees to give some insights in how Resonate has rocketed to one of the largest operations in its industry in just six years. I know Mike from back in the day from high school, so this is, uh, this is super exciting. So Mike, thanks man for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this is very exciting. Yes. Very I know cool. I should have done a little bit of background on you. I, I had an idea of what you've done. Yeah, yeah. No, no, um, that's all good. We'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to get into your backstory sure. um, before Resonate became this thing, yeah. um, before the successes, before things started to really pop off. Sure. Um, how did you get into music? And then yeah. how did that kind of translate into Resonate and the whole entrepreneur route? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as music goes, I mean, I've always had a passion for music, but yeah. I don't think that's anything special. I think most people do, whether they let it open or not. Yeah. Uh, but it would have started with learning bass guitar. When I was a teenager, we had a neighborhood band and they needed a bass guitar player. I knew absolutely nothing about it. So yeah. picked up bass, started taking lessons, but I only took the lessons for a couple of years, maybe at the most, and then quit. And looking back, I don't really know why I quit per se. You know, maybe focus more on basketball, skateboarding, snowboarding, whatever, right? Yeah, uh, sort of as you know, yeah. uh, but always sort of stay consistent with always really enjoying music. And then later on in high school, started to get into songwriting, built sort of like a little home studio type of thing, got into production, that sort of that sort of thing. And then uh, later on, ended up, uh, yeah, just taking clients in, recording at the place, started producing music for other people, which was never the intent. It was always just like a creative outlet. Yeah. And it just kind of became a part-time thing, which eventually flourished into the, the full-time thing that so it kind of is now. This was back, uh, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. This was back in high school, or was it before that? No, before? It, it really would have been high school. Yeah, yeah it would have been high school, mm. uh, for sure. Uh, a couple of uh, high school friends, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, wanted to rap, wanted to write music, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I jumped in there, you know, not knowing what we were doing. And yeah. like I said, it sort of started with our own music, just messing around, getting yeah. a mic, you know, basically in the bedroom. That was, yes. the, that was the first studio, right? It was just yeah. a mic in the bedroom and producing, messing around with our own music. And yeah. then... There was never really the intent to make that a career ever, not as, as far as like as our own music or even thinking to have a recording studio yeah. or a school, at least not at that point. Yeah. Um, it was sort of years after, not too long, maybe five years after high school or so, Yeah. where um, one of my partners, uh, Justin Dana McDonough, his name, uh, he, I started taking lessons from him actually, engineering lessons, because oh, no I was okay. building this studio in the house yeah. Basically in my parents' basement at the time because I still would have been living at home. Yeah. And uh, again, just wanted to build a recording studio space, small, just to make music. Again, just as a creative outlet. Yeah. And uh, took some lessons from him and we started chatting and 
my, I had friends of friends who wanted to record. So all of a sudden there was like, I guess, clients there yeah. and we started chatting about it. And he knew a lot more. I seemed to have uh, people who wanted to come and record and had a, a decently good sound treated space. Yeah. And so we decided to partner up and uh, started a production company, basically doing audio production engineering out of our each of our respective basements uh, while yeah. we had our sort of full time endeavors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So kind of, again, even at that time, I don't yeah. think it was ever the intention of like, is this going to be our full-time jobs? Yeah. You just never really expected it, so it wasn't yeah. really ever the plan. Yeah. yeah. So what was your plan? Yeah. Go, like going out, out of high school? Sure. What did, what did you do? Yeah, well, was I mean, it, I was, was in the car business, funny enough. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much out of high school because that was one of my part-time jobs. Like when I, was, when I was in high school, as soon as I could work, that was pretty much all I was interested in. I was gotcha. pretty disenchanted with school in general. Yeah. Uh, elementary, junior high was, was fine. Uh, but once high school rolled around, you know, and you start to become a little bit more specialized in your interests. Yeah. You start to think, you know, is the, if I'm not interested in this stuff, I didn't really see the point in, you know, sitting yeah. there and listening and going through the motions and that. And uh, you didn't have any pressure from like parents or any, like your parents? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think I think ideally my, my parents would have loved for me to like, you know, go off to post-secondary university. Yeah. That's the thing I haven't. Like I have no post-secondary education in business or in music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably why I make so many mistakes. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, so it was basically, I was like a part-time like detailer, car detailer. Mm. Worked as a lot boy. And then uh, that was during high school. So I was yeah. spending more time probably working than I actually was at school. Mm. At, at, uh, yeah, I tried doing, well, I had a little clothing company, uh, yeah. right, at, that we tried doing. So yes, yeah. um, in one of the classes, I was teaching screen printing. So mm. then... Uh, started doing graphic design. Started. So this was kind of your way of like you were trying to figure kind of a creative outlet as far as like or making some money on the side. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was just sort of that like entrepreneurial sort of nature, maybe coming through a little bit earlier in that sense. I think that was what it was with the music, because even when we were making our own music in high school, we had merchandise, right? Yeah. We had T-shirts and hats and we had kids who would come from, I had a few friends who were at the junior high, we were at the high school, and they would come over and I'd give them a, like a box of t-shirts and CDs, and they would go and sell it and bring it back, you know, funny oh, enough, nice. kind of like a drug dealer would work, wow. but, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. with music and merchandise, and we would use that to then buy better equipment, Yeah. and then uh, from the clothing side, again, I was just doing graphic design on t-shirts, and my locker was full of more shirts than it was binders, <laughs> yeah. until the school finally shut me down. Because I wasn't paying for the for the ink. Oh no way! Yeah, and they weren't wow. and they weren't interested in uh, making any sort of deal. And once I saw that, like they weren't supportive yeah. of sort of entrepreneurship. You weren't learning a lot about life. Business was not anything that was taught right mm. in high school. Yeah. I don't know how much that's changed, but there just really wasn't that much that was interesting to me. Yeah. So because of that, I worked a lot. Consequently, my grades went into the gutter. Uh, so. Post-secondary wouldn't have even been an option for me, funny enough. Yeah. Um, but I just, I wasn't interested in it yeah. anymore. So I got offered a sales job, basically, when I graduated, working at a car dealership. Yeah. So I did that for a year, and then uh, eventually the owner of the dealership sort of created this new position for me, which is more of like a management position in, in multiple roles, and I was kind of mentoring under him a little bit, uh, which was really good. It was, I was, way, um, it was way over my head, yeah. more work than I knew what I was doing, yeah. right? But uh, it sort of gave me an opportunity to see kind of how a business worked a little bit more, and mm. that really piqued my interest. So. Initially, I thought because I didn't have any sort of background skills, really, again, I wasn't ever considering music to be like a serious avenue to go. I thought, oh, maybe it was a car business. Maybe I'll own car dealerships because I love cars, mm. right? Um, but I found that there was a lot about that industry that I didn't like, 
right? Gotcha. There's still, yeah. um, you know, I still have a soft spot for it for yeah. sure. And I see yeah. myself in like retirement going and like selling high end cars <laughs> just for fun. Cause just, I, yeah. you know, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the people. Yeah. Um, but there was still, you know, those aspects of selling something that maybe wasn't the best fit. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Which is nice because we don't deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was more sort of the venture that we were kind of in. Mm-hmm. Um, now, eventually I left there, moved to another dealership. And then... so this was you in the management role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in there for yeah. um, a couple of years. I think I was at that dealership for maybe four years, including high school. Mm. Then uh, ended up leaving there. It just wasn't the right environment for me anymore. And I, I very much found myself a little upside down. Not sure what I wanted to do. Gotcha. And that's when I really got heavily into sort of self-teaching, self-education. Reading, and how old were you at this point? Uh, that's a good question. 20, maybe? 20, okay. 19 or 20. Yeah. yeah so you had worked a couple of years? Yeah, yeah. I was in sales for about a year, and then I guess his management role for I mean a year or two, okay, something cool. like that. Yeah. Maybe a couple of years. Uh, so yeah, maybe it would have been like nineteen or twenty years old. Yeah. Um, and then you know ended up ended up leaving there, and kind of I think it was a few months of not really sure like kind of what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. you know that's when I really got interested in like economics and business and all these things. Started reading these books. Um, which was a little bit of point of contention uh, in the house because it was, you know, you should be out there hammering the pavement with resumes or picking a career and following a career path. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty clear to me early on that that's not really the way I wanted to go. Like I was starting to at least get a pretty good handle on the idea that I would eventually work for myself or in, be in some sort of entrepreneurial position. So, mm. um, but pretty quickly I ended up getting a position at another dealership because again, that's the only skill set I had. It's the only experience I had. So I ended up working at another dealership and around the same time is when I built the home studio in the basement, met Justin and we were sort of doing that part time. So that was never meant to be, uh, as far as the other dealership that I was at and the position that I was at there, it was never meant to be something that would do really long term. I think it started to feel like, oh, maybe we can build the studio thing into something or let's just see, kind of see where it goes, essentially, gotcha. yeah, right? Yeah. You know, try to put some money away, uh, still try to be learning as much as I can. I know I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, but I'm still trying to figure out what direction I kind of want to go in. Yeah. So, yeah, I did that for a couple of years. And then there was the opportunity to, there was an extension of that dealership that was in uh, accessories, like truck accessories and mm. things like that. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, I think this is the first time I've ever like publicly told this story. Yeah. Uh, but there was the opportunity to go into that venture, essentially. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, they wanted uh, the guy who sort of ran that department, they were looking at expanding it, doing multiplications, and wanted me to come on and be essentially the manager of one of these locations. So that was really exciting for me. It uh, At first it meant relocating to another city, but the opportunity sounded exciting. Uh, it was a chance to maybe run a shop, run a store, run a staff, uh, that sort of thing. And that was, uh, that was really appealing. And we thought that, uh, so I essentially thought, okay, this is the way that's going to go. And yeah. this would have been like, say, maybe in the spring when I got that opportunity and it was going to kind of start in the fall. So I took the summer off thinking, okay, this is my career path now. This is where I'm going to go. I'm going to be re- relocating to another city yeah. and start investing in that. And uh, that sort of went sideways, long story short, over the period of uh, a few months. But the partnership that I sort of had uh, went went pretty sideways. Oh, okay. And in uh, in a short matter of time, I was left basically high and dry, thinking that this was a direction I was going to go. This is going to be my career. 
I started, you know, investing into it as far as like, you know, learning the industry because it was an industry I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they wanted me to come on because my strength was creating systems, was improving systems, was improving operations. You know, when I come to this dealership, they sort of had very archaic way of doing a lot of things. So it was kind of my job to make it more efficient to improve it. And that's sort of what they wanted to carry over. So I thought that was the way it was going to go. And uh, yeah, and basically like that in a second, it was kind of over. Wow. And uh, okay. yeah, uh, my partner sort of pulled the plug on me. And then I was mm. left with trying to figure out what I was going to do because now I had no idea. Mm. And I was left with this very bitter taste in my mouth. I was like, you know, uh, yeah, just very bitter, very upset. And it's sort of a state of shock because it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really see the ulterior motives that were happening. I didn't see the things that were happening in the background mm. and the leverage that I was creating being used by the benefit of somebody else oh, to essentially, yeah. you know, skirt me out or stab you in the back if you, yeah. if you want to say that. And again, not to not to speak ill about it. I've sort of obviously moved past that and it was clearly for the better. But yeah. in the present moment, it was a shock. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. For sure. So. Uh, after that, I was sort of left just, again, same thing. What am I going to do? Jump back into the books. Jumped into music a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, because I sort of had, had this, and we had the production company on the side at the time. Yeah. Is that the direction am I going to go? Like, what am I really going to do? So uh, I actually ended up going on your classic sort of cliche find yourself trip. I went to New Zealand. For oh, a month, okay. Sort yeah. of on a whim. I had a friend who was down there. Yeah. And I was talking to her, and she said, I'm in New Zealand. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm unemployed. I'm doing nothing <laughs> right now. Yeah. So, so why don't you come? And yeah. uh, I don't know how serious she was, but, uh, you know, I sort of looked at it and thought, like, I've got nothing better to do. Yeah. You know, I might as well. I was uh, pretty, I was deep into the Steve Jobs book by Walter Isaac there. And just yeah. like, you know, and I was like sort of at the point of his story where he was sort of traveling and, and uh, figuring out what he was going to do next. So I thought, like, right. this can't hurt. Yeah. I'll go there and just... Just to even figure out, like, am I on the right path? Am I thinking the right way mm. at all? Am I, or am I totally off base? So I went there and decided I'm just going to get out of my comfort zone and everything. Every time yeah. there's an opportunity, I'm saying yes to it. Like, whatever it is. Oh, and, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if there's something that is uh, crosses a fear of mine that I have, I'm going to do it. Like, a, I have a fear of heights, and one of the largest bungee jumps is in New Zealand. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just... Did you end up... Yeah, oh, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you it. just took on everything that was... The- what that was there absolutely any opportunity you were just like yeah okay yeah pretty much and like again i was not a traveler like my mindset before was very much like you should work like i i didn't really agree with like finishing high school and then going and traveling abroad yeah i'll travel in the later half of my life when i've made some money and i'm can travel the way i want to travel yeah right um so that wasn't something I was ever interested in doing. It was not part of my character to just go in on a bus with strangers for a month, <laughs> yeah. you know, and travel around after meet these people. I didn't like yeah. that. I sort of had yeah. my core group of people and yeah. build relationships with, and that was good enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just wanted to work, you know, even at the dealerships, I worked a lot of hours. You're a hustler. It just, yeah, I think it just, yeah. uh, you know, work ethic was maybe instilled in me fairly young and yeah. sort of have been a workaholic in that sense, or at least get my problem is I get like sometimes really focused on things and I'll just like, that's, I obsess about it and that's all I want to do. So mm. if there happens to be a craft that I'm working on, then yeah. that's all oh, I'm very like kind of tunnel vision on it. So it was a weird thing to go over there, but I, I wanted to go there to get, to gain some clarity 
So about three weeks into the trip, after getting a whole bunch of stuff, we were kind of on the last leg of the trip. And we ended up in this uh, little town called Kaikura. And it's this beautiful town where there's snow-capped mountains that come right down to the coastline. Like something you just wouldn't really, really see in Canada. It was quite spectacular. And it was this black sand beach, kind of like heavy rocks. And there's nothing really going on that night again. Small town, it would have been like a one-night stop type of thing. So I decided to just go for a walk by myself because everyone was just hanging out, chilling. Yeah. And I went on a walk that I think was probably six hours uh, long. And I sort of was trailing the one wind and the sun went down. Yeah. And I'd gone so far that I couldn't see like the little town coming back. So I turned around just like pitch black. Oh, no. Way. So I'm walking and now at this point the water's coming up and I'm just like soaked. And it was like oh. rocky beach. So it was like terribly uncomfortable. But um, sort of the whole point is I wanted to go on that walk and try to almost like replay my life up until that point. Mm. And like people I had met, interests that I had, um, why I had sort of done certain things that I had done, um, what I was interested in, all that sort of thing. To try to essentially connect the dots, to try to get some insight or vision as to what my next step was going to be and where I was going to go. Because I had, you know, there was the automotive side, which I had an interest in, but I didn't love the industry. Um, you know, there's some questionable practices here and there. I think it's improved a lot, but regardless, I, I, that wasn't where I wanted to go back to, and I felt like I would have been taking a step backwards. And there was really just that... Uh, you know, I've loved art but, and, and music and sort of as connecting the dots, that's really where I landed was on the idea for Resonate or at least the concept of like, I think that's where we're going to go and right. that's going to be the opportunity uh, because I started to think and revisit on, you know, I, I took music, but like, why did I quit? You know, I love it so much. Why didn't I keep going with it? And then I thought, how many other people share that exact same Situation. Like mm. I like my lessons when I took it. I, I my teacher is one of the was one of the best in the city. Uh, mm. He was awesome, but still, obviously, there wasn't something that was engaging me enough to go. And I just started to think on what was currently available in our market and the industry. And then there just started to be all these ways that you could think to improve it. They weren't like genius ideas by any means. It wasn't rocket science. It was just like, hey, I think this industry could be a little bit more current. Or even not to say that one was right or there's a wrong right or wrong way of operating but just there wasn't a lot of choice everything was basically the same regardless mm. of where you sort of went i thought like hey I've, I've got some ideas for how to improve it um a few now and i'm sure there'll be more down the road maybe this is the direction that we sort of go in and i kind of already had that partnership with donna uh through the recording side of things and and we had talked in the past too about you know maybe one day we'll open a music school with it and you know we'll combine the two yeah. or, or something along those lines right yeah. But I don't know how realistic either of us ever thought that was going to be as an option or when that would actually happen. I think we thought like maybe way down the road. But because I was sort of sitting in limbo in life and I was I was ready to move forward on something, right? Like with the truck accessories, I thought we were opening up a location, getting the business. We had a business plan together, companies formed, like everything. I thought we were going. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I wasn't about to just like go back to the start and say, okay, I'm just going to go get another job again. Um, yeah, and just go in a direction or spin my tires. I was sort of done with that. Yeah. So I said, no, we're, this is what we have to go. This is where this is what we have to do. So it was kind of that light bulb moment. Now I didn't have the whole business plan worked out. I didn't even know what we were going to call it at that point. You know, I didn't know we were going to do ninety percent of the stuff that we currently do. But I sort of knew that was the direction we wanted to go in. Yeah, you picked there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this and go full force into it. Totally. So pretty much at that point, I was ready to come home. Uh, I came back and 
it was just and seeing everybody else too like the, the amazing thing was is i met so many incredible people right like on this on this trip yeah. they're from all over the world but there's one consistent thing with almost everybody is mm. they were just traveling like with yeah. no in, real goals mm. of, it, of just the goal was to travel to gain life experience to just go from spot to spot and maybe we stay there here. was no direction it was no just, it was like maybe we'll gonna get, travel yeah maybe we'll yeah. get a job maybe we'll go to the next spot right um and i realized pretty quickly that's not me and i i expected that wasn't me or I suspected that wasn't me and i got clarity that it definitely was not me i was like this has been an awesome experience but like i've hit my limit like i need to i need to do something i need to be productive i need to create something yeah right so at that point, I was ready to come back. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been in like May of 2012. Um, when I came back, I met with, uh, with Donna pretty quick. And was just like, hey, let's do this. Like, I want to go this direction. Are you on board? Uh, do you want to do this with me? Type of thing. And he was like, yeah, okay. Right? So, because yeah. he was sort of in the same thing. Like, I mean, yeah. he had a full-time job, but it wasn't something he wanted to do for the rest of his life yeah. either. And his skill set was in engineering and production. Like, Dunn is one of the most creatively and talented people like I've ever met. Yeah. And I think he needed a platform to just be able to do that. Mm. So that's why I sort of thought, well, maybe we can bring these two together. Maybe we can do a school and a studio. That isn't really a thing. And maybe a hybrid of that, you know, not doing the retail side. And let's see if we can just make it. So, yeah, that was basically, that was in May, I think, at the end of that month, where the, like the corporations were formed. We started looking for a location. We had found one in June or July, August 1st, we had the keys and we opened up mid-September. Like it was that fast. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah, that yeah, quick. Yeah. That was, that's fast. Yeah. And like yeah. there were, like the funny thing is, is there was like barely a business plan. Basically yeah. wasn't. It was yeah. in your head or verbal. And it was so like, you were super assertive at that at that point when you came back, you just kind of, yeah. you and Donna just. It was just time to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And like, and, uh, and Justin's wife, Megan, she came on with us as well, uh, which was great. So she helped a lot with like the school side. Right. And then we started bringing on the teachers and other staff and, and just sort of going with it and, and seeing if this was something we could make work. Mm. But it was, uh, yeah, like I said, it was a whirlwind. It was very quick, but I didn't want to wait another year. Because I knew that, you know, the fall was going to be an important time for us to open up. It's back to school, right? That's when most people are going to run a register. And I thought, okay, well, we're either going to do it this September or we're going to wait and do it, you know, next fall or summer Mm. or whatever. And And you didn't want to wait. No, I wasn't going to wait. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, there was was no way. I was was very fortunate in that the people who I wanted to bring on as my partners were sort of gave the green light. They wanted to do it too. And they jumped on board, you know. Um, But I think regardless, that was... It was something we were going to do, whether it was that or something else. But Where does there. the name come from? Resonate? Resonate. What's the what's the significance behind it? Yeah, so, I mean, right off the bat, we didn't want to, like, name the school after us. And not to say that's a bad thing, by no. any means. A lot of okay. people do that, yeah. and that's yeah. totally fine. And, yeah. you know, you especially if uh, in family businesses, where ours isn't really a family business. It's more of a friend's business. Yeah. Right? Um, but also, we didn't want the, the name of the company or anything like that to represent us so much as what we were we wanted to do and what we wanted to create yeah and we i mean resonate is very experience focused it always has been that was sort of one of the main things was how can we sort of elevate the experience how can we make learning music and creating it as exciting as as listening to it when you're getting that new record yeah right like there's just such a disconnect there's such a gap there so we wanted to create something that obviously had relevance to music that was clear but also had some sort of significance as far as like impact and realizing that resonate 
the idea was to create this like sort of massive community of people from our students to teachers to studio clients to just people who knew about us or even got inspired and took lessons elsewhere like whatever yeah um but just wanted to like like my t-shirt says let your sound resonate which yeah. like let your voice be heard or your your instrument be heard or you, you know on your own terms in your own way and you know and then we also wanted a word that was common in in like everyday life mm-hmm. but it was associated with something that would make an impact so you know you hear in like big speeches so people say well that resonates with me right when you hear something that connects with you yeah you say that resonates with me so often so it sort of followed that connection that connection we have to music and that connection we wanted to create amongst so many people so it was kind of the perfect thing and dan actually uh who you know yeah um i think we were sitting in a hot tub trying to come up with names and it resonate popped out of his mouth and it was kind of like as soon as he said no it, way this was dan's yeah idea. yeah yeah absolutely yeah we were talking like a cadence or something there's there's so many we were we were going off of. yeah and they just none didn't really like stick no i think we narrowed it down to like maybe three or five names and resonate was one of them and that was the one that sort of stuck and i'm glad it did because it's you know people seem to really like it yeah we really like it i think it really encapsulates sort of what we we want to do and, yeah. and what we're about so yeah as soon as i said it was like oh resonate you know and then it started to come together that nice. was the thing is it it's been a constant process sort of from that day until now where yeah. it's just totally changing because I had no experience in this industry whatsoever mm-hmm. outside of recording people and producing for them in my basement Yeah, at a very entry level, yeah. right? But uh, I'd never worked in music school. So I knew nothing about that other than the couple of years I took in lessons as a teenager. Uh, fortunately, Justin and Megan both had worked in schools, you know, so they had a fairly good idea of how it worked. But I think we all knew that we didn't want to just do it like everybody else. That the whole idea was to offer another option, right, to the market and give Mm. them, um, yeah, just other ways of sort of doing things. So, you know, there's been tons of change because of that because it's sort of constantly evolving, but also a lot of learning curve because, again, like I said, I had never been in it. So, Mm -hmm. and it all happened very, very fast. And like, yeah. like our first spot that we opened, it was, you know, nine lesson rooms and 15 teachers and a recording studio facility. And that wasn't really a thing. Like there are schools of that size already in the city, but they've been around for decades. So here we are starting from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of lesson programs started in somebody's house. They developed it over time via like doing basement lessons and eventually get a small industrial space and sort of build it, you know, or again, over the period of decades, that's sort of the norm. And all of a sudden we were going, no, we're going retail right off the bat. Mm. And we're going to open with the uh, nine-room school, which would have been, I don't know, maybe the second second largest or something like that in the city, second or third largest in the city. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. You know, what are you thinking? You, have... you bite more than you could chew. Basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for sure we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah choked for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in so that maybe, sense. So maybe I, I want to yeah. get into that. So yeah. when you guys started, what mm-hmm. were the... I mean, if you want to share, what yeah. were the hardships? What kind of things did you go through personally as mm. now you're a full-on entrepreneur? Mm. Now you got to make this work. you got yes. the keys. Totally. This is like you're going full force into this. So maybe talk about both personal struggles, yeah, but yeah. also the business kind of handling the business and the day-to-day of sort of thing. And how did you get over that? Yeah, well, yeah. like I said, I hadn't gone to business school before. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the business had. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, yeah. And that side of it was on me. And not like as if it was pushed on me. I wanted that role. I took that. Like I, I wanted to, to run it and and, uh, and help with that and guide us and sort of lead us in the direction that we wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, but all I had to go off of was 
my previous experience in the auto industry as far as from management and sales and seeing how things sort of worked in -hmm. that sense. Yeah. Right? And then just instinct, really, like sort of blind instinct of just saying, okay, I think this is how it's going to go. And, and just working your tail off, right? So, yeah, it was, it was super challenging because we really, I'd never set up a business before. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, and service business is a totally different animal in the sense that, like, you are, you have to perform a service to your customers right in front of you. Yeah. So you're ha- handling everything. Yeah. Right in front yeah, of, you yeah. know, and uh, whereas, I mean, making a product too, not to say that isn't difficult, that I think is maybe more so. Uh, but it's a little bit different, a little bit more behind the scenes. You can sort of develop your business behind the scenes where yeah. not, you're not as much maybe in the public eye gotcha. with sort of everything that you're doing. So it was tricky. I mean, everything from hiring, knowing how many people to hire. You know, in the beginning, we overhired because we just didn't know. We didn't know how many people were going to come in the door, how many people were going to sign up, mm-hmm. um, what are your operations going to be like. I mean, just finding software that would work, right? Because mm. that was the other tricky thing is our business model was totally different. So trying to find something that would work for that was not out there. You know, so yeah. learning how all these things work, trying to basically piece it together. Uh, and then also we were fortunate in the sense that it was attractive to people very quickly on. Like when we opened our doors, we had 50 students pre-registered in the period of a few weeks. Mm. Um, which was a lot, you know, we, we crossed the, we had over 200 students in our first year mm. and there was only a handful of schools who had that many students have been open for quite some time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it just sort of rocketed up to the point of now where we do, you know, well over a thousand lessons a week with 40 staff wow. and are like one of the largest operations in North America. Yeah. Um, in the period of just a few years yeah. versus decades. So yeah. One of the biggest struggles has just been growing too fast. Like controlled growth is definitely something (laughs) to to strive for. But because we went retail and went with this big space and went with, um, you know, we invested a lot into the space too because one of the things we want to do is sound treat the rooms. Not 100% soundproofing, but more so because it wasn't a common thing that you could go into a school and go into a lesson room and it would be properly sound treated. You'd hear every other lesson going on around you. Mm. I I just, again, thinking back to my own experience, you know, you couldn't play music in the lobby. It would disrupt the rest of the lessons. You had to be quiet, like a library, which mm. is strange. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Music has an energy to it. You want to Yeah, you don't want to contain it. that. No, no. Yeah, so yeah. it was weird. So, um, again, just trying to invest in the experience, you know, we invested heavily in the sound treatment, creating this recording studio. So we had massive amounts of overhead, like, right away, which uh, was tough. Like, not giving yourself time to sort of build and figure these things out. Uh, the learning curve was quite sharp. And it brought like a lot of challenges in that sense of mm-hmm. just figuring out what to do, making a ton of mistakes, but, you know, trying to deal with the mistakes that were sort of costly. And yeah. I mean, the intent was always like, you know, for the longest time, like for those first couple of years, I think I slept at home maybe five times at the most. Wow. Um, I'd go home to shower in the afternoon once sort of the gang came in and there was someone in the front. Yeah. Uh, go home, shower, change, and come back and basically wow. live there and slept on the couch in a studio. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until I got married and my wife finally dragged me home, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you got to sleep <laughs> at home from now yeah. on, and uh, which is probably a good thing because I don't know how much longer I could have kept that lifestyle going. Yeah. Uh, but that that's really tough because there was a lot of, there was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, uh, both personally uh, and as a group, because you wanted everybody to succeed, right? You wanted all the employees to succeed and your customers to succeed, the business to succeed. But there's all these things working against you, you know, yeah. all the time. Like, it's tough. Like I, And you really don't know how hard it is until you get into it, you know. I'm very sympathetic to other businesses, even when they screw up here and there. I'm not the guy who goes on 
Google and gives them a one-star review, I'll send them a private email and just say, hey, like this happened. You probably want to know about it. Yeah. Right? Because you, you could, you know, bust as much as you wanted to and work as hard as you wanted to. But like mistakes were still going to happen. Things were going to fall through the cracks. And then, you know, you're having to deal with that. So it was just learning like how we were how we were going to operate, how businesses function, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And, and trying to learn through going through the experience. So in a sense, yeah. it's almost been my business school in a way yeah you know in a sense and um but i mean it's been fantastic experience i don't think i we didn't really have any expectation of where it was going to go either that was the other thing we didn't know where it was going to go because we only worried about you know the next month or the next six months gotcha what are we going to launch are we going to be around you know there was many times where we thought like are we going to make it you know? Really, yeah. but you can't you can't say that you can't give that impression. So yeah. one, of the, one of the biggest challenges was like, is fake it till you make it. Like you had to keep a smile on your face. Yeah, and you always had to make sure that you gave the impression that it was a strong company. And I I think it was in the sense of what we were trying to do. But you know you weren't going to go and talk to staff and be like, hey, don't know if we can pay you next week. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. fortunately we we've never had to not or not ever been able to not pay somebody yeah. or anything like that. But. You know, you just, you can't talk about that. So a lot of it is internalizing, like, the struggles, the challenges of just the day-to-day of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And when people have so much invested into it and it's their livelihood, you know, you become a lot more emotional with it. Like, the whole, oh, it's not personal. It's, you know, it's just business. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And, like, if, if you're the entrepreneur, if you're the founders or the group of founders or anything, anywhere from top to the bottom, there's personal relationship. Work is your livelihood. Yeah. Right? So, of course, it's personal. Mm-hmm. You can't lay somebody off or, and tell them, like, oh, it's, it's just business. It's not personal. You're affecting their lives personally. Yeah. And a huge percentage of their time is spent mm-hmm. working or at that company. So, mm-hmm. it was very personal and just, yeah, internalizing those struggles having to stay confident and stay faithful and that like what you were doing was the right thing. Yeah. And pushing forward and believing in it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, that's still the case in some areas. I mean, we're very fortunate that again, we have a lot of people sort of bought into what we're doing and, and like what we do that we've been able to grow right a lot faster than maybe we thought and, and can, and the business has been able to sustain itself for many years. Yeah. Um, which is a difficult thing to do as so many go out of business. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we've been very fortunate in that sense. And I think that's what kept us going is that, okay, there are people who, you know, who like to come here to work or like to come here to learn or, or create their music. They have now their own personal relationship with this brand that's totally separate of myself, of anybody else. And then you start to feel that responsibility that you have to sustain that connection and continue to improve it, right? And you can't let them down. Hmm. So it's not like, you know, you, there's that fear of letting anybody down. Yeah. Sort of all the time. Yeah. You know, and uh, trying to not necessarily pretend like you know everything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, coming across like when people first came into the business when you first opened, they thought, you know, oh, is this the first one in Edmonton? Like their their impression was that there was multiple locations. Were we across yeah. Canada or in multiple cities? Some people thought we were a franchise or whatnot. And yeah, that's a good impression then. Yeah, when I you mean, walk in, they think it, this is like a legit place. Totally, yeah. And, and like yeah. right away, we wanted to separate it from ourselves. Like as far as the founders and managers or anything like that, we wanted Resonate to be something that was going to encompass all of these people. And we so the branding and everything like that was really, really important. The marketing was really important to make sure that it came off as very professional, very legitimate, very high quality. Mm-hmm. And not to say it wasn't. I mean, I, I think our teachers have been like top notch, you know, since day one. Um, 
sell, but we wanted to make sure to give that impression. Yeah. But when you set the bar that high right off the bat, you got to maintain right, that. You have to maintain it. Yeah. Right. And you have to show that you can actually follow through. Yeah. That's a tough thing if you're trying to not only then tell yourself, okay, we're a major player in this industry, right? Uh, we can sustain this level of quality or we follow through, but also we have almost no experience in it. Mm. So we're learning as we're going yeah. to then tell you how we're going to do stuff. Yeah. Right. So that, yeah. that was really challenging. Like even when we launched a membership plan, which is sort of one thing that we're known for is that we changed sort of the format. For the most part, lessons are offered like on a, on a fixed term, like September through June, the school year. Okay. Right? Is that like... That's pretty like, common. That's common? Okay. Yeah, that's common. That's sort of the industry yeah. norm. It's just like the regular schools, right? You go through September through June. You'd close in the summers. That was kind of it. You'd maybe have uh, one or two recitals. It'd be like in a hall, pretty standard. And then, uh, you know, teachers get laid off in the summers. Business essentially closes down. Maybe does like a very small like punch pass or something like that. A couple of camps. Yeah. Um, we did not want to do that. And that was born out of both us trying to want to innovate and change, but also out of necessity of being like, we're going to go out of business in this summer. Our first summer, we're gone if we can't figure out a way to still keep people around at the same time. And also, who wants to lay off 90% of their staff and have them try to find seasonal work? Like, that also seemed like a flaw in the industry to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we just wanted to sort of change that. But, I mean, we launched that in the spring of 2013. So that's not even something we had right off the bat. Uh, we opened up a bit more similar to the kind of industry norms because we kind of had to work through it to figure out what was what could be changed or what could be improved and when we launched in the spring like i remember like personally speaking to almost every one of our customers to try to explain to them what this new program was or how we were operating that it was month to month now it was 12 months out of the year so we were you know you weren't going to have your spot saved in the fall just because you finished in june you kind of you had to keep going if you still wanted that right right and you know that was uh it's still a little bit tough like i mean for the most part people have gotten it and we saw a lot of change in the industry of people sort of changing their formats to go year round which i think is a great thing yeah uh, because again that means more teachers can work 12 months of the year there's a lot of people in the summers who want to learn they should still have the opportunity to do so so i think it's great that we're seeing that change yeah you know in general but uh yeah that was a big thing trying to convince people we'd have people just stop showing up after june and we're like, oh, no, we keep going. And they're like, what? You know, I thought you're, but it's the summer. Aren't you closed? Like, people are that set. Uh, like, the, the industry has been that similar. Interesting. For that period of time. Yeah. That it was just assumed. Even if they'd never taken lessons before, it was their first time, they assumed that that was a format, even if we told them different. So it was a lot of, a lot of just constant, you know, sort of talking about this is what we're going to do. It is different. Mm-hmm. And it took, it took quite a while for people to really get on board with that on, yeah. on how our format was, was going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's been as far as some of the business struggles and things like that, just going through the learning curve. Mm-hmm. And it, it personally as well, because every time you have, if you're, if you're going so much off of like instinct, you know, or confidence or work ethic, when you don't actually have the specific know-how, you're trying to learn on the fly, you yeah. really have to rely almost entirely on that, on just that I'm going to you know, work my tail off. I'm going to constantly try to learn about what it is we're doing. The mistakes are going to happen. I have to understand that and be okay with it and keep moving forward. And that can be really tough because the more failures you sort of have, the more mistakes you have, the more your sort of confidence and your instinct starts to come into question. Yeah. And I think as an entrepreneur, if you, because I do think it's, 
it's more of a way of thinking. Like entrepreneurs aren't smarter than other people by any means. I think the smartest people usually work for other people. Um, but it, it is sort of just a way of thinking. It's an approach. I think it's in nature. It's not really a job in yeah. that sense. I think you kind of, I think it was always sort of in me and it's just, I kind of figured out that's, that's what I wanted to do. But you, again, you rely so heavily on instinct because you can't, like if, if we're sitting in my office right now and you come to me with a problem, like I can't turn my chair around and ask somebody else. There's a wall there. It ends with me. Mm-hmm. And that can be the tricky thing is having that responsibility, especially when you don't know the answer, but just knowing that, well, I'll, tr- I'll try to find it out. Like the, as long as we're always trying to figure it out, right? It's like, yeah. it's like driving a bus in the fog with like no map. And there's somewhere you're trying to get to. Yeah. Right. And you kind of have to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And you have to make everyone else think that you know where you're going. Yeah. Right. But really, you don't know. You've got an idea. you got an inkling. But a lot of it is instinct. So having that come into question is tough. It Mm -hmm. can be, uh, it can definitely be a lonely, uh, a lonely career choice. Yeah. It's a career choice, a lifestyle choice in a sense. Yeah. Um, Especially when it's small. Uh, I mean, as you sort of grow and you can bring on more people and your team expands, and you get really great people, then it then it can help a lot. But in the early years, it can get it can get pretty pretty stressful, pretty lonely, where you start to question a lot of things. Yeah. And then you just have to continuously remind yourself to to push forward. But mm-hmm. fortunately, we're in an industry where there's a lot of a lot of inspiration, like the that I didn't even account up, account or think about in the beginning. Like the relationships we build with all of these people, these kids, adults, families, like. They're really not customers. We don't look at anybody as a customer. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like a transaction. It's just like it's no, more of a relationship. Yeah, exactly. More, yeah. And you build these like crazy, meaningful relationships where you become so close with so many people, and then you see mm-hmm. the impact it makes, right? Or you yeah. see a, a student do a performance, and their parents are crying watching it, and you're just like, they they may not even know I exist. They don't know about what we've gone through to get to this point. They have a totally different relationship with what Resonate is but it's obviously a meaningful one and you start to see that and that becomes your motivation again, just like sustaining that and Mm -hmm. keeping that going. So that's been, again, I wouldn't have expected it to that point because it was never in it. Right. Yeah. You know, you think business, you just think, Oh yeah, dollars and cents and geologistics and operations and systems and things like that. And then you get into it. And then again, just fortunately the industry that we're in, there's just so much, um, meaningfulness, so much impact that can be made. So yeah. that, that's been like a major thing. So when you were, um, you know, building it your first year mm-hmm. with your team, yeah, and obviously certain things would come up, problems and issues. Sure. When your confidence would take a hit, you would mm. look for different inspiration, external inspiration, like, yeah. like online, like other business owners. Like what would you yeah. do to keep yourself going through times where like, oh, we might not make it this summer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, no. What was that thing to keep you internally motivated to be like, okay, like, I got to figure this out and I got to figure this out now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, there'd be a variety of things mm-hmm. that would sort of help. I mean, one, I've always been, I do believe in education, funny enough, like being someone who got so disenchanted with school and didn't care about school at yeah, all. And I yeah. still have a big problem with how high school is formatted and the whole education system and Maybe this is just a precursor to moving into that one day and trying to impact change on the education system as a whole. Mm. Um, that I ended up, you know, starting a school. Yeah. Um, that's now bigger than any school I ever attended. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is very strange. Yeah. Um, but no, just like self education, you know, whether that be books, yeah, mm-hmm. online, you know, YouTube videos, you know, motivational stuff, whatever, yeah. looking to other entrepreneurs, um, you know, realizing that struggle is part of the process. 
Mm-hmm. That's something that I think you often have to remind yourself of is that mm-hmm. like rarely does anyone land on a unicorn where they're just like rocket ship to the top. <laughs> Everything yeah. goes super smoothly. You know, yeah. like yeah. everybody has had severe failures where it feels like things are just crash and burn and you're done and it comes back. And just like reminding yourselves of those like moments end up being better. Like the literally the worst times in my life ended up spurring the best times. Mm. And again, super cliche. And you hear people say that and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. BS. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it, it's true if that's what your attitude is. Yeah. I think if you can pull yourself out, I think willpower is like super important. So yeah. just that and just uh, a stubbornness, you know, not to want to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the failure is a better teacher than success. You'll often mm-hmm. hear that, but failure still sucks. Like, yeah. I still avoid it like the plague. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, I've learned the most through it, but I yeah. still don't want to go through it. Yeah, you know? So uh, yeah. just reminding yourself of that. So that would, that would help a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and just, yeah, just not wanting to like lose it all, you know, even from a self-conscious standpoint. I mean, it sucks to, to fail at something or, or have it, yeah. quit like I couldn't imagine it being us having to close the doors and say like it didn't work I didn't want to go back to trying to figure that out figure again that out, and yeah. know where to go like that was so strong it was like no we'll, we'll figure something out we'll get around it right. even if that means I gotta swipe my own credit card and max it out to make sure we can pay people the next week or yeah. next uh, payroll I'll worry about that later you know you kind of have to put everyone else in front of yourself mm-hmm. type of thing you, like you think like running a company or owning a company you're sort of at the top Right. And it's sort of like everything kind of trickles down, but it's it's totally the reverse. Right. You're you're on the bottom. You're the ultimate support system to make sure that everybody else can sort of succeed mm. because the buck stops with you. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just just going off of that. And then, like I said, uh, the biggest inspiration was just this, the staff and the students that were mm-hmm. already there, not wanting to let them down. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people often say, like, they're so much more motivated, let's say, if they have kids or they have a family because they have people who are relying on them. Yeah. And at this time, I'm single, no kids. Uh, How old were you at this point? Uh, when, when you, we started, when you, when 23. You started, wow. Okay. 23 yeah, when, yeah. We, when we started Resonate. Yeah. I'm 29 now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, sort of the youth being an issue. Like, that was a thing people didn't really realize. Is like, yeah. Resonate was basically, like, started and run by, you know, a few 20-year-olds. Yeah. And a lot of 20-year-olds at that point would be in university, they're drinking, they're partying, they're having fun. A lot of them don't really know where they're going. They have an idea. Sure. And then you decide to, as a lot of entrepreneurs do, decide to take that big risk. And at this point, like, I'm just curious because, again, like like I said, a lot of 20-year-olds don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. And if they do, then they found something that they love or they found a career path where they just want to keep building up. Totally. When you made that decision, why, why, like, I'm sure you gave up a lot of things. Like, a lot yeah. of, like, oh, I mean, social like, life probably oh, wasn't. Oh, gone. Zero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably zero. Had nothing. So, <laughs> and obviously, you made that decision internally. So, mm-hmm. why, why, why was that a big thing for you yeah. at that point in your life? You could have taken a year off and figured things out and kind of, like you said, take it step by step. But you sure. decided, you know, let's... Yeah, it's just the, it was just whatever reason I just yeah. sort of clicked. I was just yeah. sort of ready to go, and yeah. um, you know I had sort of been fairly financially responsible up until that point because yeah. I was that was an area that I was interested in, yeah, and was sort of ready to put everything that I had into this, whether that was like you know working for nothing for a long time or um, investing anything that I had into the business. It was just that's the way it's going to go. Um, but yeah, no, like family, friends, that was sort of that was kind of gone. And that's, that was another struggle is because unless people are sort of in your position, they don't quite understand what it's like. 
And I don't mean that just for entrepreneurs. That's literally the case for everybody, right? Like you never know what somebody is dealing with or what they're going through. And so yeah. you shouldn't judge them. Uh, but it was a tough thing because not only were there a lot of people who, who sort of doubted it in a sense and thought, mm-hmm. like, you're insane, you know, for trying this, mm-hmm. um, for one, but then they couldn't understand why you could, you know, why can't you come out? Why can't we hang out? Or why can't you come over for these family dinners? Or why are you missing this and that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you look like garbage, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're losing your weight and you, you know, you look like you haven't slept in days, which was the case. Yeah. Uh, and that's a tough thing because you're constantly having like to convince people of what you're doing is right. But then you, at some point you have to stop caring about that. And because otherwise then you start having to convince yourself of, of that, what you're doing is right. And that's really hard when you have a lot of the sort of negativity coming in to, to block that, to sort of cut those things off. So, I mean, yeah, for the same thing, like a couple of years, I just really didn't see people very much. It's like, you want to see me come by Resonate, that's where I'll be. Like, this is where I always am, night and day. So, uh, so that, that, was, that was a challenge for sure, yeah. you know, in that sense. Yeah, so when did it, like, really take off? Like, obviously, the first yeah. couple of years were a little rocky. Yeah. Still figuring stuff out. You're going through this sharp learning curve. Yeah. When was it a point where you're like, okay, I'm kind of getting this now. Yeah. I kind of know sort of what I'm doing, but I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah. When did it kind of, like, figure out, okay, yeah, this is this is going. Now start, things are starting to kind of click. Right, yeah. When was that When when was that point? Oh, man, I don't even know if we've hit that yet. <laughs> no, yeah, I, well, no, I think to yeah. a point, yeah, we have. I mean... No. So the, like the first year, again, like I said, we opened up at those uh, the nine rooms in the recording studio because, again, we wanted to not it wasn't just the lessons, but we also wanted to offer like affordable, high quality recording as well. So we kind of had this hybrid model where the school kind of subsidized to have the studio around so that we could offer a really high level of, of quality recordings for artists who maybe didn't have a really big budget, but also to create a, like a retail um, formatted recording studio. Mm-hmm. In the sense of like your everyday average Joe or Joan, you know, uh, maybe wants to make a song. Maybe has this dream of recording their their favorite song or one that they wrote. You yeah. Know, maybe they got a few kids. They're, you know, middle aged, but they want to do something like that. Yeah. There's not really anywhere to go yeah. in that sense. Right. Because often their destination locations, you know, studios work with serious artists. Often that's not really a thing you can do. So we wanted to kind of open up to everybody. Because just on my own experience, and you sort of know this as well, being in the studio can be so therapeutic, it's so creative, it's awesome to do. Whether you're super talented or not, it can be a lot of fun. So we wanted to have like a a retail recording studio in that sense so that anybody could come in and record, uh, which which was really cool. So again, we sort of wanted to keep uh, both of those kind of going. But within six months, like the enrollment really happened a lot faster probably than expected. But it's hard to say expected because I didn't really have, we didn't have projections or forecasts or expectations Mm. of what was going to happen. We just every day focused on trying to make it as good as we could and improve it all the time. And that's still the case. Like everything we do is subject to change at any point in time if it means improving the overall experience for the staff and our clients. Um, But within six months, we we renovated one of the washrooms to turn it into a lesson room and our staff room to turn it into a lesson room. So we went from nine to 11 rooms in like half a year, uh, which was really, really quick. And then, you know, a few months after that, we knocked out my office and created the iPad bar and uh, expanded the merch area because the lobby was getting so tight uh, with people. Yeah. And then the opportunity came up to expand into the neighbor uh, space as well. Mm. And that meant basically doubling in size. Yeah. But there was the opportunity that we sort of saw that if things kept going at the way they were going, like after a couple of years, we had, you know, 400 students or something. 
and because uh, the majority of our growth are, you know, happens in those kind of early years, yeah. catching on. And uh, the opportunity came up and we thought, you know, do we take it? It's too early. Like it's for sure too early as far as the resources that we have, our operations, but we may lose this opportunity. If somebody else might move into the space, what if they signed a 10-year lease and then it's gone? And then what if we, you know, we're packed in here like a sardine and we just are, you know, hitting the walls we can't grow yeah. anymore. So that was a massive decision and we decided to expand. So that was only two years in and we doubled in size and opened up the largest school Wow. around, like one of the largest in Canada with eight, 18, 18 lesson rooms, doubled the size of the recording studio. And I actually remember that. Funny yeah. thing is, because I used to come by when you... you know, yeah, when 20, it was the smaller one. It was 2013 or 2014. Yep. Yeah, when it was 2013. And then I came back after a while and yeah. there's a whole nother space. I was like, whoa, what, so what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. so... That was an, a major risk for sure. We were rolling mm. the dice and that made it really difficult. Again, biting off more than you can chew mm. because it was just, I don't, we were just weren't hundred percent ready for it yet. Right. Like again, whether it was software or operations, all that, those sort of things needed to probably improve first, mm-hmm. but the opportunity was there. And I've always been of the mindset that opportunities there, you say yes now and you figure it out later. You know, that's not the best advice all the time. Like, it's not super smart, and I don't advise yeah. everyone to take that advice. Yeah. Uh, but that's just always been our approach. Opportunity to say, yeah, okay, yes, we'll do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. It might be brutal for a few years, and it was. Um, but we took it, and it was the right move. Because now we're at a point where, like, we're nearing capacity, you know, four out of the seven days a week where we're using every single room. Wow. You know, and now yeah. we're looking, okay, do we have to move you know, administrators out again, like for, yeah. you know, half a year, I didn't even work in the building. I worked across the street in another office space Oh wow. because I needed to move out to make more space for the operations of the, of the business wow. yeah, and for the yeah. people. So yeah. I was like, you know, coming back and forth, you know, had it had cameras so that I could see if it was busy, if I needed to answer the phones as well. And yeah, and just sort of work there until I could move back over once we expanded. Yeah. And now we're in a situation where we're maybe looking at that, you know, do we have to do that again? Yeah. Don't know. So now, do you have your hands in everything? I know you, when you, you probably when you first started, you yeah. have your hands in everything with production, the school, marketing, right. operations. Mm-hmm. Do you still have? Are you still kind of dipping your feet into everything, or do does your team kind of have certain roles and certain things? And do you have a certain role? Yeah. With Resonate right now, or do you kind of are you kind of like the guy that obviously you're the the last end of support? Sure. But are you handle? Are you kind of handling everything? Are you diving in, making sure that every kind of peace every kind of thing is kind yeah. of going well or do you kind of stick to the back end of things and operations sure so like in yeah. the beginning yeah you definitely have to wear a lot of hats yeah, yeah. so yeah. all all the uh marketing like the space too i mean it's been it's sort of a pro and a con and a con in the sense that it's way too much work so you end up doing just like maybe a subpar job in a lot of areas versus doing a really good job in a few which is now what we try to more focus on yeah but you it's that's born out of necessity in the beginning because you don't have the money to hire a bunch of people so yeah. you know You've got to basically work for nothing and do a, a whole bunch of jobs. Now, yeah, you kind yeah, of multiple yeah. full-time jobs. But unfortunately, that means that you're probably going to do a subpar job of most of it. And that was often the case with me, I think. Um, but in the beginning, that's just sort of how it went. Uh, I mean, as far as the recording side and the recording studio goes, from the day we opened, I, n- I never recorded a client or was doing that anymore. Like, that was sort of the end, which is funny because that's the side I really enjoyed. Uh, right? It was like creating yeah. music. It was making music. I really loved that. And then as yeah. soon as we actually opened resonate i didn't touch an instrument i didn't do anything musically you know anymore 
it was more my role to make sure that we were going to operate, that we were going to function, right, and kind of having a hand in everything. So Justin was pretty much the guy in the studio, you know, doing all that. Obviously, I'd help with the marketing, and but from the accounting to, you know, helping out with the front desk, um, you know, because we opened seven days of the week. So for at least, I think, four years, I was, or five years, of the, maybe four of the six years we've been open, I was seven days a week. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 18, 20 hours a day type of thing. Like it was just, wow. you basically lived there and would still be behind. But that's just, <laughs> that was the way it goes. Like, you know, people yeah. kept coming in, which was awesome. Yeah. And we needed to figure out how to, su- how to support that. So uh, fortunately, I would say maybe over just, you know, the last couple of years, the team has gotten really strong. We've had the ability to properly specialize. You know, it's really hard to get the right group together like you're so reliant on your people we're such a people-based business yeah right like that really is our backbone from the teachers uh to administrators and management and and everything so where the last couple of years i feel like we've sort of come into our own a lot more right Mm -hmm. where people sort of know what what they're doing and i mean i have a really good group i trust them you know completely to do the job i'm i'm not a micromanager in that sense i'm probably maybe too far the other way to a fault sometimes where I kind of want to give people their ability to just like set them up for success, help how I can. Um, sometimes, you know, could help more than, than usual, but, um, just give them the ability to do what they want. Cause that's what I wanted when I was, you know, working in a place. There's nothing worse than being told what to do by someone who you believe is more incompetent, you know, yeah. than, than you are. Yeah. So like, I don't tell teachers how to teach. I don't know how to do, te- I'm not a teacher, right? I have an idea of how somebody may want to be taught or what the overall experience should, could be like. Yeah. Um, because anybody could tell you that, like what do you really want out of a customer experience, right? That's sort of my role is to figure what that is Yeah. and then make it. But I mean, our teachers are, you know, university educated and, you know, they're incredible at what they do. And that's why they do what they do. I, I'm not mm-hmm. in there. You know, the, the people who we have working the front and managing all the lessons and the scheduling, they're far better at it than me. You know, for the time periods where I had to do it, that's, you know, we were not given providing the best service that we could mm-hmm. because that's sort of not my skill set. So, but sometimes you have no other choice, right? If you can't find the right people, then you have to sort of do it yourself. But uh, we never wanted to keep it going that way. But I feel like in the last couple of years, we've really started to get a fairly decent handle on it. Yeah. On how we want to operate. Because you just learn so much. And what do you want your company mm-hmm. to, to be like? What even is it? Yeah. How is it going to function? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want the, the work experience to be like? The so, culture. Yeah, the culture. That's, yeah. that's massive. Trying to just yeah. create that. Especially, yeah. again, when it's different. Mm-hmm. And your formatting is different. Like, you have to want to work at Resonate. Like, not just, oh, I want to teach music or teach at a music school. Yeah. Like, Resonate has to be the right fit for the person. Like, when we interview people, we make sure that, like, they're interviewing us as much as we're interviewing them and make sure, like, you know, come shadow here, come hang out here. Like, make... now, was that off the bat? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish we would have done that sort of style, but we just yeah. don't know, right? Yeah. So, we've learned so much. Yeah, how difficult was that to, uh, to, to bring a team of people together? Yeah. to believe in this thing that yeah. was, wasn't really a thing until obviously now totally obviously the years that you've built it but yeah how difficult was to get the right pieces in in play i mean I yeah call pieces but people yeah the right fit and get people to believe in that in the in the vision and the culture totally yeah, yeah. it's it, it's super tough because one of the things that is key to that is communication mm. right and that's one thing that i've definitely learned is 
I could be, you know, or whoever, say, is leading a company. You might be in your office or at home or whatever, just in your head, thinking of all these things like you, how you want the company to, uh, to perform yeah. or how you want it to behave or how you want it to function yeah. or what your vision is. But if you're not communicating that, you can't just assume that just because people are working there that they also get that. Yeah. Or, or know where it's going. They may think things are stagnant. Yeah. They may, they may think that the experience that how it currently is, which, you know, I don't think it was ever bad. Um, but, you know, it's just, is this how it's going to stay? Where we're always looking at ways on how we're going to improve it. So there'll be things that are coming three, six, nine, twelve months, you know, down the road to make the experience better for everybody. Um, so trying to keep people in the loop without saying everything because some things don't work some things fall through right so some of the stuff is just ideas and they're just con- concepts mm-hmm. until they actually materialize so that that's a pretty tough thing but that's just a part of developing a reputation where i feel like people now the right people apply because they know about what we do and who we are and they either that connects with them you know it resonates with them you know throw yeah. that in there that had to happen once <laughs> in this conversation yeah. right and it connects with them which is really good so it's allowed us to have this incredibly strong group of you know nearly 40 people and growing uh we're just amazing amazingly talented and skilled people who have really sort of bought into what it is that we're trying to do mm-hmm. and where it is that we want to go and we don't necessarily know that 100 percent because that's always changing yeah so you know, people have to be okay with that, you mm-hmm. know, with the, with the change. That's one of the biggest things when someone comes on. Like, you have to be ready to embrace change. You have to be okay with change. We don't stay the same for very long. And we, we want people to be able to uh, provide ideas, right? Not feel like they're just, oh, this is your role. Stick to that. Like, even the people who, work here, uh, who have worked here over the time that we've been open, their roles have changed. You know, everyone's sort of roles have changed multiple times. Yeah. As we start to... Or get a better grasp on how to figure out what's the right role for people, right? Or as their life changes, is there a way that we can change with them uh, to create new sort of positions and things like that? Like we've got positions within the company that I don't know that any music school has uh, that we never expected to have, but they were just sort of born out of whether it's again changing situations with us, mm-hmm. with with the people who work there, with opportunities that came up, with ideas and ways to improve. So. You know, we've always been a place that sort of invested, reinvested pretty heavily into the business constantly. I think that's why there's been so much change and so much growth is we're just always reinvesting back in, Yeah. you know, to sort of create these areas. And now there's, we're looking at things way down the road or we're, now we're investing in stuff that's not so clear what the return is or when it's going to happen. But you, again, you're kind of going off instinct. Like, I feel like this is important, mm-hmm. you know, and start investing in areas that don't just benefit us, but benefit the industry as a whole. Yeah. Right. Because we, we understand, and I think this is the case in most businesses, maybe not like Amazon, but we, uh, we know we're not going to service everybody, right? There's like a million plus people in, an, in the Edmonton area. Not everyone who's going to want to learn music is going to come to us. That's not possible. We could, even if they wanted to, we couldn't accommodate it, right? Not realistic. Um, so there has to be options. We want to see growth in the industry as a whole because the the whole idea is to inspire people to bring music into their lives. And I think that's the purpose of a lot of businesses is whatever that product or service you're offering, mm-hmm. you want to inspire people to make it a part of their life because that's that's good for the whole sort of industry. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the, the way that we kind of look at it, yeah. you know, is just always 
locking in on the experience, try to make things as good as we can in-house, try to improve as much as we can. If it ends up benefiting the industry as a whole at the same time, great. Mm-hmm. Um, versus just looking at, you know, what's so-and-so doing, what's so-and-so doing. How can, you, you know? Yeah. Like, direct, like, well, what most of my competitors doing? What do we yeah, have? Yeah, 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 like even that, yeah. I mean, I, I like we're aware of, so you know, quote-unquote competition or competitors in that sense, but we don't look at it that way at all. We don't obsess about it, you know. And check in here, there, here. Oh, so and so's doing this. Okay, yeah, that's great. But we know what we want to do. You know, we've picked the two, three things that we think we can be good at. We narrow in on those, and the things that we obsess about are, you know, our customers. Like I said, have sort of become extended family, and we obsess yeah. about them and about the experience and about improving that. And we don't really worry about too much what everybody uh, sort of else is doing. Yeah, and then kind of going off of that, talking about kind of not just yourself. When did the when did the foundation start? When yeah, the foundation start? When was that kind of a thing? And then for sure. So I mean, that is. I mean, the foundation is still very much in its infancy. Starting charities is a lot more difficult than uh, just starting a company. There's yeah. just so much more red tape and things and holes and hoops that you have to jump through, and it's it's a much more drawn out process because now you're you're more at the timelines of governments and things like that, which. It's been a, a bit of a frustrating process yeah. a little bit because I'm used to like, we want to do something, we do it now, right? Like, you know, just being on your own terms and being able to move forward yes. with something, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, and, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just <laughs> let's go. So uh, yeah. now how that sort of came, I mean, community has always been a really important aspect um, and part of what we do. I think within the first year, uh, actually one of the teachers that we have had a music school as well she ended up closing it and joining with us and she's still with us to this day and is a key part of what we do and she had a a fundraiser called play for pets where she would raise money for the edmonton humane society and when she came Mm -hmm. over one of the things that she wanted to still be able to to do that or run her like uh, her fundraising concert yeah i love that idea Uh, i have a very small dog he's like my kid (laughs) basically so you know of a soft spot for animals i thought that was great we always wanted to have you know a community aspect in it so we wanted to take that sort of grow it as well and that became the yeah play for pets concerts we did at west ed which is the one that you know ed sheeran so that's crazy famously uh you know accidentally showed up to and which was a a bit of a whirlwind so we had that going for quite some time but then like not too long after i think we ran play for pet play for pets for maybe two or three years i think combined raised around fifty thousand dollars for the edmonton humane society so not like not a gigantic amount of money but you know a sizable amount i believe made a difference and but the problem was that this is also we're thinking around the time of kind of the economic downturn right and oil prices dropping and this is when we were expanding too you know Mm. that was the other reason we'd be like are you sure you want to expand? The economy's poor. Yeah. You know, and I'm hearing the same things now. And, you know, okay, well, you, yeah. you have to make the decision whether you're just going to, you know, sit on your hands and wait for things to get good. Or do you want to create your own situation and make it good and be a part of that sort of positive change? But yeah. um, outside of that, again, we were we were seeing people who were having to drop due to financial difficulties. And it was increasing like more and more and more that this was happening. And it was so tough because, again, we, de- we developed these relationships with these people. And you want to help them. But yeah. we're, like, not in a position to help. We're, you know, barely making any money. <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> like, you know, I wish yeah. I could do something. And, and giving them free lessons, that like, the economics of that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just, like, oh, we'll drop the prices. Because you're not going to be able to drop it a substantial amount enough that is going to make the difference for them that isn't going to now make it so you can't operate. Right? You can't pay your rent and taxes and payroll and all those sorts of things. All yeah. those costs that keep going up every year yeah. and keep shrinking your available margin to even work with. So 
it became this sort of issue, really, how do we solve it? And we would have people come in, too, that were sort of in a lower income bracket and were asking us, you know, is there any government subsidies? Are there programs? And there wasn't really anything. And there was the child tax credit or arts credit, but I think that's gone now. They got rid of that, which is a shame. They cut it in half and then now it's I think it's gone. So there was really like no opportunity for relief, uh, financial relief for mm. those people. So we thought, well, community is obviously a part of what we do uh, and that we always want to do. But, you know, and Play for Pets is great, but there's a clear need in our own industry to help support these people. And both those who are sort of in more of, say, like a longer term, low income financial situation. Yeah. And those who also just need temporary relief. Right. Mm. Maybe they were like fairly good income earners. But, you know, and you adjust to that lifestyle and then all of a sudden you're laid off and then you and, you know, you're cutting from everything. And the last thing people want to cut from is their kids. And then when they're having to do that, that's hard. And a lot of people will be honest with you and tell you, but a lot of people mask it as well. But you can you can still sort of tell. So. We said we like we wanted to, to fix that, you know, in, in some capacity. So that was the main reason for them starting the Resonate Music Foundation was, okay, we let's create something that can, can provide this relief. I think people would donate to this and, and, and people could also use the resources. And the intention wasn't to just relieve students who were coming to Resonate, but again, the industry, the community as a whole, right? Obviously, it's going to start on a more local uh, sort of basis. And, you know, whether that's Edmonton and then Alberta and then, I mean, we want to take it across Canada. We eventually want to take it global. Yeah. And it's been really exciting in that so many people have come to us and want to be a part of it. You know, and uh, it's just, again, sort of going through the motions to then be able to provide provide that relief. So yeah. now the, the Resonate Music Foundation, so it's a total volunteer effort. Um, my wife, Sarah, who uh, works at Resonate as well and is sort of my partner in crime and everything. And uh, yeah, we'd be screwed without her for sure. Uh, yeah. She's the president of the foundation, so she, she really runs that as well. We've got a, the board is a great team of individuals yeah. who have really come together and really uh, connect with what we want to do. Yeah. And so we, we started that and at the same time started the Light Your Sound Resonate concert series. So yes. any concert or like performance or anything we do, we always attach some sort of community aspect to it. So like the ticket sales, we donate, right? We keep nothing of that. We all go, it's volunteer, it's free, that sort of thing. And we just, we would donate it. So even our recitals, you know, the ticket goes to the Resonate Music Foundation. And then two years ago, we started the, the Light Your Sound Resonate concert series. And that was to give students the opportunity to be able to play in bands or learn how to play in bands without having to pay hundreds of dollars a month because that was sort of the norm, right? If you want to learn how to play in a band, you're going to take a separate program. You know, they're going to put three or five of you together and teach you all together at once. Mm. And because that's going to be a separate thing, obviously they have to charge for it. Makes sense. But we wanted to try and do it in a way that how could we offer this opportunity not to 5, 10, or 15 people because, again, we have the space limitations at this yeah. point. Uh, but how can we offer it to, you know, 100 or more uh, kids yeah. and put on like a, a serious full-fledged production show uh, which yeah. you know you've now seen absolutely and attended yeah. and yeah. it's it's no joke you know yeah, and, and people think like oh it's going to be another like student recital and then yeah. you see a 30-piece uh, band with a string section and two drummers on four-foot stage risers and full lighting production yeah. and everything like that yeah and so it allowed us to sort of offer this like, once in a lifetime sort of opportunity every single year it's something that brought us all together, the, you know, the parents, the people who are attending, the students 
who of all ages we've got adults like our oldest lead singer and a person was like in his 60s and, oh, and wow. he was the lead singer in this band and his his guitarist is like eight because of the way we sort of design it That's you can get hilarious. a mix of skill levels and ages so yeah. it's just this amazing thing and then all the money that we raise off of that was in going to go to the or goes to the Resonate Music Foundation. So whether it be sponsorships, ticket sales, so mm. it ends up being an enormous amount of work. I think it basically each yeah. year takes like that, that that year to plan and, and go with. But that's its own separate yeah that's, to to it, manage totally. And now yeah. that we started, we're always trying to grow that. So you know, our first show had 500 people in the audience, or so just under 500, and sold out. And that was our first show. Our second show that was you know 700 people, um, and it's just kind of growing from there and adding different aspects and. Yeah. Who knows what kind of venues that's going to be in? You yeah. know, it sounds silly, but like, you know, Rogers Place. Could we ever get in there one day? Maybe. Yeah. Like, I think it's a show that the city needs to know about, not just the people who are within our own little community at Resonate. Yeah. But we want to create like this annual event that raises piles of money uh, to help a lot of people and then provide mm-hmm. this experience. And again, we make nothing off it. We don't even charge a program fee for it. Um, it's like 25 bucks that's like cut for rehearsals to pay yeah. teachers to be there. But like it's resonate as a whole, it's nothing. Again, yeah. that was another thing where it's like, are we crazy for doing this? Why are we doing these things that yeah. don't generate us any extra revenue or these yeah. programs? And there's so much work. Yeah. But to us, it was if we're investing in, in the experience and in the community as a whole, we thought, you know, word will spread about what we're doing. Yeah. And people will want to include this experience or make this a part of the lives or if this inspires somebody to want to learn music whether it's with us or not obviously ideally I'd like yeah. it to be with us um, but if it can't be at least they're still bringing that into their life and I do believe that's going to improve their life and you know even like with a, with adults like music has always been so therapeutic for me yeah. and now we see so many adults who use it as well Yeah. you know whether they're going through something they just want to come and scream their head off of their favorite song <laughs> for an hour like yeah. whatever we're not going to yeah. judge you We'll sort of build it around whatever your your interests are. So yeah, uh, yeah. So the foundation is sort of off of that. Again, it's it's very much in its infancy, and it is a a side project. You know, with all the full time jobs that we have at Resonate, this is something we also have to do uh, yeah. in in addition to that time. So yeah. and everyone who's involved is you know got their own things going on. But mm-hmm. it's a good team, and we're very excited about it. Like mm-hmm. even if Resonate at the school and the recording studio. Has a, has a limit or a glass ceiling of how far it can realistically expand, you know, whether that's in its current space or multiple locations or cities or whatever. Yeah. The foundation is the one that can really grow and really make an impact on potentially a global scale, right? Like definitely on a national scale. I think that's realistic, you know, maybe in five, 10 years or something like that, because it, we wanted to work with schools all around the, you know, the province, the country, the world, and to be able to provide this relief and it's not something that's limited to a certain location or a certain space. So yeah. the foundation is the one that could really make a massive impact, I think, and really even grow beyond mm-hmm. resonate of what it currently is. So, yeah. you know, when we started, we didn't think we were going to start our own charity, yeah. you know, on the, yeah, yeah. On, the, on the side, you know, at the right. same time or be doing these big concerts. So yeah. there's just been so many things. And those are just a few examples of stuff that we never expected, imagined or planned, yeah. you know, in those early years, but yeah. are now all of a sudden are real things. So, yeah. and you know, you find yourself you, again, have we bitten off more than we can chew, but you just kind of worked your way through it, Yeah, you know, and every day is just trying to make it better. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, I want to end off on two questions. Mm-hmm. One out of your whole entrepreneurial experience mm-hmm. and with resonate with everything that you've kind of went through to build what resonate is yeah. with your with your team 
what's one lesson or one thing that you took can really like point pinpoint and take out of that uh, maybe give our audience here <laughs> maybe something that they can learn from you yeah one thing that maybe anyone can really relate to or some let's just right. say someone wants to get into music or there's yeah. kids or adults who want to get into music somehow or maybe want to take a, a business uh, yeah. route or they, they don't know they're trying to figure their life out a little bit yeah. um, your experience one thing that they can take sure. away from yeah that, that's that's obviously tough. I know there's probably there's multiple oh, things like, yeah and, but, and everyone's situation is obviously going to be different yeah. um, one thing I do think is like you do have to be true to yourself right and and sort of not to quote like the Philadelphia 76ers here but trust the process you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. a sense yeah. you know that that is sort of very true you mm-hmm. know do something that you believe in because it's going to be way more work than you expect it always is if you want to mm-hmm. make meaningful impact in something it's it's probably going to be way more work like be yeah. re- be ready to sacrifice things like you know really take a hard look at it and decide is this is something that I want to do. Yeah. You know, you can learn from others. You don't necessarily need a mentor, though. I'm sure that's invaluable. I, I haven't really ever had one to a point, you know, a, a bit in the dealership. And, and that was probably some of the best experience I ever had. And I learned a lot and I still use that to this day. But people have the opportunity to have mentorships and all that. It's probably great. Mm-hmm. But dig into books, you know, and, and, and YouTube videos and, and whatever and try to learn. The world's information is on the Internet. You don't necessarily need to go and pay tens of thousands of dollars yeah. Uh, to learn something anymore. The world is changing in that sense. So, you know, y- if you want to do it, I mean, if you're just, you got to be ready to work your yeah. tail off really and sacrifice, but yeah. make sure it's something that you're true to yourself and don't chase it for the money. You know, don't do it for the money. I'm de- This is not, especially, I mean, in this example, you know, uh, re- resonate. This is not a big money business by any means. It's an, it's an impact business. And you're rewarded by the relationships you create, the difference you make, and the, ex- and the experiences you sort of have with it. Like, that is by far the most valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that adds so much to your life. Like, my my expectations in the beginning to now have totally changed. My interpretation of what business was in my maybe teen years was more of a monetary sense, was more materialistic. But I realize now it was more about being a creative, you know, I, I do think entrepreneurs are creatives. I do think they're artists. I think business is an art form. I think it's looked at in, a lot of times in the wrong way mm. as it's just looked at from dollars and cents. Yeah, especially nowadays with it being so uh, glamour, glamour, glamoritized. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it looks very fancy. A lot of people are showing off like they have totally uh, boats and money and yeah and you think um, everybody who owns a business is yeah, rich and or, that's, or sitting at a yeah. beach working three hours and that's the entrepreneurial life but yeah. it's probably totally it's totally opposite of yeah, that like, from what I know that might be the goal one day or that might be the situation one day yeah. but it's 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 very often yeah not the case you know in, mm-hmm. in the beginning years so I do think that like for me there is a there is definitely a creative nature there through the arts uh, just whether it be music or whatever, or, yeah. you know, drawing. I always loved that stuff, and I think business, in a sense, it can get. And being an entrepreneur gives you the ability to create something from nothing. And I do think the private sector and entrepreneurs and uh, companies are, are the best platform to make an impact and to, mm. uh, to impact change and make a difference, whether that's positive or negative. A lot of make right. you, know, you may see a negative change, but that's because we really have a lot of opportunity for influence. Yeah. Um, so don't take that for granted, mm. you know. And you really can do something here, and especially in Edmonton, I do think this is a city where if you want to. Do something you can yeah. it's not intimidating in the sense of you feel like every sector every industry is already dominated and you yeah. can't make a difference yeah. i love this city in the sense that it's 
I've never felt like, okay, if I want to do something, there's too many roadblocks. Yeah. Right. Like I feel like we, you could do it here. So this city is great. You know, every area is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but, but seeing it in, in that sense, you know, um, and then maybe on the other, just a super long winded answer, but <laughs> you know, the, the side of like entrepreneur stuff is, is, is something I'm really passionate about because I would like to change the perception uh, a little bit. Again, like we sort of talked about that every business owner is, is rich or whatnot, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, from the consumer side to just be understanding that people, when you're dealing with somebody in a business and products, and obviously we do every single day, mm. they're just people, you know? For whatever reason, when we stick a desk in between us or a counter and a transaction is made, it's like all of a sudden we're not as human as we were prior to that. Um, and I think that causes a lot of people stress, not only business owners, but the employees who have to actually deal with those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so I think generally people need to be a little bit more, I don't know, accepting of that fact. We're all just people. We're all just trying to do stuff. We're all just trying to make a change and nobody's sort of perfect at it. Yeah. But if you're somebody who wants to go a certain route, you know, chasing money that that runs out as far as its meaningfulness pretty quickly, right? You could have lots of money, but not a, if not a lot of meaningful relationships, and and that's not going to be such a great lifestyle. Yeah, and that's something I've definitely learned. Yeah, where my priorities in the in maybe in my early years would have been to have an enormous house and a ton of cars, and I, mean, I still have cars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it was more about that. And now I look at it and be like, wow, like the people I've met, the people I work with. Um, the work that we do mm. if it just stayed exactly as it is awesome you know there's so much that you can get out of that so there's going to be a lot that I think people will un- they won't expect you know but I think just trying to make an impact stay stay true to what your interests are and who you are you know and what your passion is I mean that being said it's not like open-ended again cliche advice you still have to be good yeah. You still have to have a good idea. You still have to have sound principles. Yeah. You still, still got to gotta show up. Yeah, you still have yeah. your financials still have to be together. Like, it has to be good, right? Yeah. It's not like that thing of like, you know, follow your dreams and they'll come true for sure. Like, unfortunately, that's not always the case for everybody. <laughs> yes. A lot of people fail and it turns into nothing. Yes. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to tell, most people are going to tell you no. Most people are going to try to knock you down. If you yeah. believe that it's truly whatever you're doing is the right way to go, then just stick to it. And stick people to say, it. you know, cut them out. And, yeah. And just move forward. Sometimes you have to be a little cutthroat in that sense of cutting away uh, the people who or the things that get in the way of where you really want to go and how you want to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, just going with that. Try and learn as much as you can. You know, don't, uh, yeah, maybe don't go in head first all the time. Don't say yes and then figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) again, there's there's people out there who are willing to to help. Yeah. And, And once you get in it too, it can be such a struggle. So, yeah. know that there's people out there who you can talk to and you can help and to get through and, and learn a lot to go yeah. through that process yeah i think i would um that's something sort of i'm learning as well that you don't have it doesn't have to be you know so much of just in your own head mm. figuring things out so yeah. yeah i don't know sweet i don't know yeah. if there's anything out of that to pull but <laughs> there, there was a lot yeah, yeah there was so a lot. Um, yeah. i think my last question is going to be where do you see i know I'm sure you have big plans and I'm sure they could take a run in, in, yeah. in a couple months you could yeah. take take resonate somewhere yeah. else but um, where do you see resonate where do you see resonate in five five ten years what would you like it to be sure yeah well, that's I guess a, currently right now yeah yeah no honestly <laughs> that's a question I really don't have an answer for because okay. um, we never I don't really have five-year plans okay like we don't yeah. do a five-year business plan all the time or renew our next like two, three years plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a couple years again, idea forecasts and things mm-hmm. and programs that we might want to do and yeah. when it's realistic. But 
it's already changed so much. Yeah. You know, that might actually tie into the last question too. If you're doing a plan, don't waste your time doing a 10 year business plan yeah. of what your business is going to look like. Cause like in six months, it's not going to be long. <laughs> yeah. It's going to totally change because yeah. there's so much information you don't have yet yeah. that you'll sort of figure out later on. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have uh, plans in that sense. I yeah. mean, I obviously want to see resonate it would be great if it, yeah, continues to grow and, yeah. you know, maybe it's somewhere we end up being and people always talking to us, you're going to expand to other cities, you know, maybe, you yeah. know, or maybe we just go to in other areas in the industry where we feel we can impact change or maybe we get more into the education sector. I, I do, sometimes you dream, I think about Resonate being this sort of, this, um, this sort of faction that sort of encompasses a bunch of different things that have to do with music. And I don't mean just like, oh, we're going to have retail, right? Because that's not really our thing. We don't really have a store component, which is another thing that kind of made us a bit unique. But I mean, like maybe whether it's music therapy or just like creating this sort of hub where it's just a creative space. Maybe it's not completely to do with music all the time. Mm. You know, like we do a lot of in-house sort of development of our staff. Like we try to make sure our teachers, when they come there, they have the opportunity to become better teachers, not just through experience, but through some of the initiatives that we are developing in-house. You know, so kind of doing that maybe just on a larger a larger scale, yeah. you know, with the rock school curriculum that we're bringing in. That's not just for us. Like we're the representatives for the entire Alberta region. I want every school and teacher, if it's the right fit for their student, to bring this in. And help help them, you know, uh, create that sort of benefit as well. So, yeah, I, I don't really know where it's uh, it's going to go. It's changed yeah. so much. I mean, yeah. personally, like as an entrepreneur, I do know that that is in my nature. I do feel as though I would like to. I like to start things, right? I like to build them up. We, I think, part of the reason we have so much change is just because of my nature. I just can't stay content. I will get bored very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so we're constantly adding things and changing things. So that's I think it's sort of like the kind of trickle down. Yeah, you know, sort of yeah. culture in that sense. So, yeah. you know, I would like to, if there's opportunity for to create improvement and we can be a part of that improvement and part of that impact, then I think we'll be right there. What that opportunity is going to be, I don't know until it shows up. And, yeah. you know, but just keeping your eyes open for it all the time. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's opportunity all over the place. Just kind of have to pick the, the ones that you think make the most sense. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm excited. No. Um, I've seen what you've done over the last couple of years and it's just inspiring for me. Uh, as a as a as a creative and as someone who's trying to do his own like my own thing on the side and i'm sure a lot of people who are going to listen to this are going to take a lot of inspiration if they don't know your story mm-hmm. um one thing is where can where can people find you online social media oh yeah um, if they want to maybe reach out to you maybe sure add in some plugins yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no absolutely i yeah. mean as far as resonate goes we're everywhere you know facebook and instagram are the two big ones yeah. honestly the only reason i even have facebook is because of the business i think <laughs> personally i wouldn't have it if it wasn't but yeah social media is like can be this great thing but it's also you know yeah we're very much in this sort of uh battle with that but yeah. uh yeah on instagram at resonate music on youtube at resonate music school and studio facebook resonate music school and studio resonate music.ca all areas you can check out I can be reached through all those. I'm on Instagram as well as Mr. Cathry, um, and then and that's basically it. But I mean, yeah. if you want to find me, yeah, come to Resonate or call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, send an send an email or whatever, and and talk. And yeah, if if people want to talk, about, I love talking about business. Like I, I there's so I so much I don't know mm-hmm. by a long shot. So I'm always sort of a little careful about giving advice per se but i'm always open to having conversations with people and because most likely i'll I'll learn just as much from them as they might learn from me in that sense so if i can 
help, you know, up and coming entrepreneurs and try to explain to them some of the mistakes that I've made and learned from, yeah. right? So that they maybe don't have to make it. Uh, that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm always willing to have those conversations yeah. and help those people because I think you have to giving back is a big part of what we do and yeah. um, what I want to do. So yeah, anything through there, reach your channels, hit me up and we chat. Sweet. Yeah, man. Well, I've, I've enjoyed this, man. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. This is very cool. I yeah. love everything that you're doing. Like I said, we've known each other for a while. I've yeah. seen your sort of, uh, you know, your creative products grow yeah. and expand yeah. and, uh, it's really fun and exciting to watch what you've been doing. And it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's awesome. I think you're doing you're doing great work. Yeah. And just, you know, keep at it. And, I, you know, I'm honored to be here and uh, yeah. to be one of your guests, for sure. No, I appreciate it. Cool, Thanks man. for coming on the second floor. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah.